This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be, I'm back, just like pro wrestling, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, AB. Welcome back. Uh, and welcome back to pro wrestling, which is is not only back on American soil, it's back on on earth soil it's back on terra the third planet from the sun i i don't uh it's back wrestling is good again oh uh were you a third rock from the sun viewer uh i certainly have seen a good amount of third rock from the sun episodes but on syndication you know when they do reruns at fucking 11 30 on a saturday or whatever certainly was never a prime time third rock viewer i frankly don't even know the conceit of the show although i have i think you know over time seen a few episodes they're it's aliens the family's yeah. aliens huh. yeah what do you, you know? know uh you know mork and mindy it's that but yeah with french stewart now that i've seen a lot of and mork john and lithgow mindy. john lithgow really pretty impressive post third rock career for john lithgow John Lithgow is cool. I, I, I met him after um, he was on a Broadway. A Weird Al concert. Oh. No, he was on Broadway in uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Hmm. How was that? Uh, well, it was excellent. Uh, but I went to New York and I bought tickets to see the show because I was a big fan of a guy called Norbert Leo Butts. Oh, who, sure. Um, Norbert right. Leo Butts was in... Um, Steve Carell movie where yeah, yeah yeah he's he's dating a woman yeah oh what's this movie Dan in real life Dan in real life Dan in real yes, life yes he was in that yeah well he had a uh, a very weird Broadway career before that and he ended up being kind of a big deal anyway I specifically bought tickets to the show to see Norbert Leo Butts we arrived at the theater and they gave us a little card saying of course that he was not he would not be playing that night. Uh, but we met John Lithgow afterwards, and I he was like, uh, not being an asshole, but he was just kind of like signing things for people. Like, okay, okay. Somebody would like make some comment to him, and he'd be like, uh-huh, as he would like sign his name. <laughs> and I said something about like, oh, what a bummer. Uh, no Norbert tonight. And he stopped what he was doing, looked me dead in the eye, and said, he is special, isn't he? Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> Mike. Mike will introduce you in a minute. I have to know more about your Norbert Leo Butts fandom. I have to dig in on this. Why? I mean, how how is he special? What was the end? What brought you to the Norbert Leo Butts universe? Okay, I think my <laughs> I'm excited about how interested you are in this. <laughs> well, it's, I, I mean, what a what a pull! I didn't know yeah. that he was a guy. You know, this is like when people. We'll say things like, oh, and we all know that for a period there, Tajiri was the best wrestler in the world. I'm like, I didn't know that. 
that's news <laughs> to me. Uh, well, you know, I, I always knew that he was good and that he had, you know, ECW runs and stuff. But uh, this is out of left field for me that there was ever a Norbert Leo Butts era on Broadway. Okay, Norbert Leo Butts was a huge deal on Broadway for a time. I think it starts, and you know, it's been a while for me for my uh, the Norbert Leo Butts era, but. I think it all starts with the last five years. Are you familiar with the musical The Last Five Years? I'm not. Mike, are you familiar with The Last Five Years? No, but I am familiar very intimately with the first role that Norbert Leo Butts had on Broadway, which was the understudy to Adam Pascal playing Roger Enright. Yes, so he famously moves to New York. His very first audition is for Rent, and he gets cast as Adam Pascal's understudy, and mm. his career goes off from there. But last five years is like this. God, the f- I'm so sorry to everyone. If you're like a, a theater geek <laughs> of a certain age, you love the last five years. It was very popular on like every college campus among theater kids. It's uh, Jason Robert Brown wrote it. It's two people their relationship uh norbert leo butts starts at his song start at the beginning of the relationship and sherry renee scott who played the wife her song start at the end of the relationship and then they meet in the middle hmm. as it goes through anyway he was a big deal coming out of that uh but mostly to like you know a certain type of people but then he ended up doing wicked he was in the original cast of uh. wicked Okay, that's a this is a this is a disappointing turn that it's gone already hey, man. to this uh, this this mainstream a uh, touchstone in that's, American theater. That was huge for him, though. You know, he got a, a oh, starring I, r- role in that show, absolutely, and, which I saw, which I went to see and with Kristen then, Chenoweth. Yes, I saw the original cast wow. of of Wicked. Uh, then he got Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which was big, and they got the they got the big spot on the Tonys where he and John Lithgow did did a song mm-hmm. uh, on the Tonys. That was big. He got he did Speed the Plow, um, the revival on Broadway. That was big for him. But then, yeah, he started transitioning into film and television, and it, it never really worked, I don't think. I don't know that it ever really does for, for big Broadway stars, right? Uh, well, you got your Idina Menzel. I think she's done pretty well for herself. That rent okay. cast... Pretty she, she much. Did a song. Just, yeah. Well, she's, I mean, she's pretty. She's pretty famous, I think. Idina Menzel. Yeah. yeah, I I do think she is famous, um, but in like in kind of a different way. I don't know. She, you know, she's famous in like, a, oh, here's she's gonna perform on the Oscars and sing a song, right? Oh but yeah, she never like, did like a big movie or anything like. Yeah, that. Yeah, she doesn't get sure. like roles. Yeah. No, no, no. But yeah, Christian Chenoweth, another one who I think is like famous, probably not as famous as Idina Menzel, but uh, famous. So yeah, no, it, it doesn't usually I, work. I think Christian Chenoweth was more famous than Idina Menzel is now. Because she You're was on, get... she was on like the West Wing and West Wing was like, that's true. Know, she six, get... 16 million viewers, some, some shit. That's Nate, true. You're gonna get the wicked like tryhards and then like all the frozen people about this. I am not afraid of theater kids. <laughs> might, you know, there are there are factions online that might put the fear of God in me in me, but theater <laughs> kids are not one of them. What about um, I will take on all theater kids. I'm trying to think no, of Aaron. That's okay. I'm a reformed theater kid. Uh but shockingly <laughs> to no one, I got very you know, I can't just 
like be a fan of something or someone i have to be like insanely into it and i like mm. collected playbills from like every show he was ever in even off broadway uh just fucking a nerd i've been a nerd my whole life i still am mike what have you seen on broadway never nothing on broadway oh no i up until a wrestlemania weekend in 2019 i other than being in the airport i never stepped foot into new york city i see just just never had the desire just you know <laughs> sure well I, you know I, I, the media the media really paints a picture of new york city i think i've yeah, seen I, uh, I saw original cast of the book of mormon we might have lost bentley i'm not sure uh and i saw i'm, I'm here Okay, no, no, no. Aaron was rolling me. his eyes at my uh, just apprehension and for being a theater kid and having not a love of Broadway whatsoever. No, I I, I wasn't. I was just trying to read the YouTube chat, so I, I may have. I, I didn't intend <laughs> okay. to roll my eyes. You've you've I, come I, I, you've I, come un, unstuck in time because you are now. Moving I, I would like this. to say that if we're going to talk about like how Ember Murder Brian made the joke about everything evolves being the uh velvet underground of like evolve podcast that original rank cast like a lot of big hitters came out of that rank cast i mean tay diggs was a part of it as well i mean okay i've heard of one person i'm I'm glad i had to say uh drew did a tweet a while ago your brother drew drew spears about like rent being like the most significant yes uh, uh uh, work of american art in like the generation x era or something uh and i thought it's one of the most insane takes i've ever uh, received in my life. i couldn't i was like i mean so few people comparatively have seen it. i mean sure it's influential velvet underground probably a better metaphor uh but in terms of like you know impact just minute compared to something bad like friends uh but i, I didn't I know mean... was in it so there you go like it, coming from like a Spears frame of conscious, we had a babysitter who was a theater geek, and she would had the original cast recording of Rent that played nonstop in her car. So <laughs> it, it has imprinted on us in certain ways. Like that's why I knew exactly who Aaron was talking about when he brought mm-hmm. up uh, Norbert ne- Leo Butts. Hi everyone, by the way, I'm Mike. Hey Mike, uh, Norman Leo Butts also a short king, so another reason you know to to support him. I've seen, I mean, for a guy who's lived in Kentucky most of my life, I've seen quite a few shows on Broadway. I saw, I saw the previously mentioned uh, Book of Mormon with the original cast. Uh, my parent went went to that with my parents, which was a choice, um, uh, and really really sparked some. Uh, enriching and uh, stimulating conversations with them because um, they are, or at least my father is considerably more religious than I am. Uh, and I saw Kelsey Grammer in the birdcage, which was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, let's see. I saw Alan Alda in Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh, very nice. He was excellent in that. Uh, I saw next to normal. I don't know if any of this stuff like reaches out to like the that mainstream at all. Brings familiar to me. Yeah, I saw Next that original cast. Is that Jonathan Larson? No, no, no. That's Jonathan Larson is Rent. Yeah, but he did other. He wrote other musicals. He did, but uh, nothing that was good. Um, Heavy shot at tick tick boom. Yeah, it's not very good. Uh, I saw. <laughs> I, I was just talking about this with Sarah the other day. I saw Assassins. The revival of assassins, 
that had Not familiar. Okay, well, it's a musical about presidential assassins. Stephen Sondheim, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, it's a Sondheim. My my mother and I were in New York, and I wanted to see Caroline or Change, and she thought it sounded overwrought. So we compromised <laughs> on assassins about presidential assassins in Studio Fifty Four, which oh, was wow. pretty fun. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was um, the John Booth. Well, he was John Wilkes Booth, but he's yeah, not. He's you don't know that at the beginning. You don't know that until the end of the play that he's also John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> Sorry for the assassin spoilers, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, but it also had, um, gosh, what's that guy's name? Michael Michael Cerverus. Uh, okay. Is, or no, he's not John. He's not John Wilkes Booth. He's Lee Harvey Oswald. Michael Cerverus is is John Wilkes Booth. Uh. Anyway, there's a lot of ties between assassins and Titanic. If anybody wants to talk about that later. Uh, we can get into that. Like the James Cameron or the the, the musical. I know there was a musical Titanic. Also. Both. Both. Oh, okay. Interesting. A lot of ties that, between. Maybe we'll save that for the Patreon. We'll kick it to the wolves. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I think that covers most of the funny uh, things I've seen on Broadway. <laughs> Dirty Round Scoundrels, No Norbert Leo Butts, John Lithgow, and I had an interaction. That was Third really. Third Rock from the Sun. Third Rock from the Sun. It's going to rewind uh, it back to the beginning of the show here. We're also joined by Mike. What's up, Mike? Hi. <laughs> Mike, just, did the theater ever come to the to the Dallas Fort Worth metropolitan area? Did you have a Oh yeah. Broadway in Dallas uh branch? Hey, Fort Worth is, was at one point the 19th most populated city in the country. The Broadway came to us. And then they also stopped in Dallas because, you know, bigger city. But yeah, I just, I was like the odd, like theater kid that like, I was more interested in tech theater, but they wouldn't let uh, underclassmen into tech theater. They didn't want us around power tools, which knowing me, right call, right call. So I ended up being in theater, but like, I would never, like the only time I would go to plays was when I had to go to for class, to be quite mm. honest. I, I was more interested with like lighting setups and stuff like that. I computes. Absolutely. That's right. Cause well, he did, he did, he had a fear of music. If you recall that he was afraid of music for a long time. <laughs> I, I was do, not. A I fear do of music. recall that. It was not a fear of music. It just was not a part of my life. I think we could probably find the tape. You probably joked and said afraid of music at some time. Cause that is how I internalized it. <laughs> They should do. I, I uh, mean, that is certainly the right way to interpret it. I mean, to be fair, there should be a musical to the music of ACDC, without a doubt. There should be. I a mean, musical. there probably is one. <laughs> yeah, no. Fuck, jukebox musicals are trash. I'm yeah, against jukebox musicals. They are bad. With one exception, they should do a musical based on the music of Mikey Ruckus, beginning with the Adam Cole theme. <laughs> uh, it's all about the boom. If you want to hear more of our takes on musical theater, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. Search everything elite on the podcast app of your choice. Hit subscribe. It helps you. It helps us. It helps everybody. If you use the Apple podcast app, uh, give us a five-star rating and review. It is similarly helpful to us. And if you want to be extremely super duper helpful, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe uh, but now we will kick off the show kick off the show with elite or delete the famous part of the show where we talk about the things we thought were good and were bad from the show nate kick it off with you what was your favorite thing your elite pick from this episode so 
pretty tremendous episode, I thought. Um, just super live, very hot episode of wrestling television. I'm going to give it here to the segment that most exceeded my expectations, uh, which is often often sort of the thing that I'm most delightfully surprised by is often the thing that I remember the most. Dan Lambert flies down, flies up to New Jersey with a plane full of his shooters, uh, goes to meet his friends, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, assembles all these people in the ring. Uh, <laughs> they've been doing this angle, of course, where Dan Lambert cuts these interminable promos where he's doing Jim Cornette. He's doing, you know, bad faith criticisms of AEW uh, and, you know, going on and on about how they're ruining wrestling and the guys are short and they're doing flips and they're and the crowd is bad because the crowd's enjoying it. The biggest swerve possible outcomes to defend the honor of the millennial AEW fans, the honor of the uh, wrestling fans who don't believe in cancel culture. Uh, probably the two most woke people on the roster, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, to a huge reaction. And then Chris Jericho, I think, cuts maybe the best, like, old-school Chris Jericho babyface promo uh, where it's like, I'm I'm Chris Jericho, and I'm going to make fun of you on the mic and, and do funny, you know, Y2J or funny Lionheart gimmicks at your expense. Uh, probably the best one he's cut in AEW to this point. Uh, it absolutely kills with the crowd. The crowd's going fucking apeshit for it. Uh, I don't really understand if you're uh, <laughs> if you're Kayla Harrison or uh, one of these other shoot fighters, why you come on Dan Lambert's jet to AEW <laughs> to stand around in a ring and get made fun of. Uh, but I, I was just endlessly amused by it. It really had, you know, AEW is the WCW, is the WCW revival promotion. It's bringing back that WCW Monday Nitro feeling. Uh, but really, this was like a fucking Attitude Era segment. So it's it's not merely that Tony Khan has brought back WCW. He's really brought back the golden era of the Monday Night Wars. Because this was just the exact pinpoint feeling of uh, anything can happen in, in this wrestling promotion. You've got guys doing classic wrestling uh, digs on the microphone and the crowd losing their shit for it. Uh, and it's setting up to a very funny tag match. And Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus the men of the year at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, so this amused me to no end. I, I This was my wrestling is back moment of the night. It just was such a electric kind of energy that just was not happening with Lambert's stuff before. Like I've said that Lambert, it, it's not the fact that he's here doing this. It's just the fact that the stuff that was trying to be like the Jim Cornette analog just was not working the content wise with Chris Jericho, weirdly able to override that. They didn't do as much of like the cancel culture lines. It just, just just don't do that and and said this was vibrant it was exciting kayla harrison was just mean mugging and trash talking chris jericho responding in her own kind the entire time and yeah i i think this has to end with uh chris jericho debuting for bellator and 
Jake Hager now winning every single match with the Hager effect. This was just, it was just like exactly what you needed to do with this kind of act with Lambert and Man of the Year to like have someone that is energetic enough and Jericho, for as much as we say and, and grow tired of him, he has the connection to make it work. And it just was, per, it just was pro wrestling was back. I mean, pro wrestling was back a lot tonight in a lot of ways. I agree that this was good. I liked it a lot. It made me smile and laugh. And I think that's primarily the point of uh, professional wrestling. So I enjoyed it from that perspective. I also appreciate that we have Jericho and MJF being reset into new things where they aren't connected with each other anymore. These two things make sense. It's not like they just stopped caring about the Jericho MJF thing, we got kind of not really a resolution to that, I don't think, but we got a good stopping point in the story where we can move on to something else where both of them are going to pick up, I would assume, easy wins and keep building their own relative momentum so that they can meet back up uh, somewhere down the road. So uh, everything about that, I think, is good. It, it, it Jericho even though he had those first couple of really good matches in the labors of Jericho, he started to kind of feel uh, again of like, okay, maybe they've run out time on Jericho again. And now he's like, Oh, Nope. I got this thing. This is exciting, right? This is fun. So we get a little fresh injection into Chris Jericho, not unlike the Botox he gets weekly that uh, helped out. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. He's doing, he's doing his pro wrestling stick in there where, you know, they, they write these roast insults for each other and come out and, and do it. And the crowd goes ape shit. Uh, but it also, you know, I was being ironic saying, Oh, you know, these, the, the woke millennials are here to, to defend AEW against the bad faith, Jim Cornette analog. Uh, but it actually does make sense. Like Jim, 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 Chris Jericho is the guy who was like, no, you know, I'm going to go to, it seems like something happened in New Japan. I'm going to go see what's happening in New Japan and wrestle Kenny Omega and see what that's all about. Uh, you know, he was the guy who left WCW and jumped to WWF at like a, a key time uh, in that in that Monday Night Wars. Uh, so it does fit for Chris Jericho that he'd be like, no, you know what? I, I'm actually current with wrestling. I actually acknowledge what's good about wrestling. I, you know, didn't understand Orange Cassidy. I'm going to make an effort to learn to understand Orange Cassidy, and then I'm going to uh, do the Orange Cassidy match and program, and everybody's going to want to do the Mimosa Mayhem match after me. So uh, it you know, totally fits for the character, too. The, the other thing that I was uh, thinking about that is, how did we all not see Jake Hager being the foil for <laughs> Dan Lambert? Like, that makes all the sense in the world, right? <laughs> he just doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> you no. don't really... I mean, I guess I can't, I think of him as like a fake Bellator fighter. Like, you know, they put him in there with cans, he knees him on the balls, and then that's, you know, he's just doing pro wrestling. So did not really cross my mind. Um, you know Dana White is not with his UFC guys anywhere near Jake Hager. He, absolutely not. The, I'm surprised that, you know, Dana lets them uh, have his fighters in the ring wearing UFC shirts to the degree that he does. Uh, but it's it's maybe the best thing Dana White's ever done, just for the just for the amusement factor. Hey, these rich people stick together, man. Well, the, I mean, they, I don't think he would do it for Vince. I don't know. Yeah, but AEW is cool. The WWE is not. 
Tony does consider Dana, of course, to be a, a, a good friend. Very good. A Dana. very, very close friend. All right, Mike, what was your elite pick? What's your favorite thing from the show tonight? Yeah, there's a lot on this show that kept me entertained on a episode that really was a, a plate spinning episode. This was really getting everything ready for next week with four hours from Arthur Ashe Stadium between this and Rampage. But I have to say, I was pretty cold about this match being revisited so soon, but I thoroughly enjoyed, and, and this is my own like brainworms here, the Malachi Black, uh, Cody Rhodes, Rosario Dawson segment was just insane. L- l- like Just like the idea that Malachi Black is cutting a promo and is distracted by Hollywood star Rosario Dawson in the front row wearing a Nightmare Family jacket. And then that's that's solely a distraction. So Cody and uh, Malachi Black can go and now brawl around the arena up the stairs, just completely self-indulgent stuff. But it worked. The crowd was going for this stuff like it was awesome. And it was like a thing that now kind of has me back in on this view that like I've thoroughly enjoyed Malachi Black as soon as we haven't had like dead horse promos. But I was a little bit wary about them going back to like this playbook that they are running back the Brody Lee stuff in a lot of way. I was kind of hesitant about them doing the part where Cody gets his win back so soon, but I feel like they did an excellent job providing a lot of spice to this view that kind of has been done by proxies since Cody lost that first match. Yeah, I, I'm still going to be annoyed if this feud just culminates with, oh, Cody comes back and he beats him and hooray he's the baby face whatever that's still gonna be annoying to me but this segment on this show tickled me to no end i think what really made this land for me is maybe i missed it i don't think that i did because i i think i was watching the show you know pretty attentively to this point they never established rosario dawson in the crowd before this segment right so you you Malachi Black comes out and not announced or anything. He just all of a sudden blackout. Malachi Black does long overindulgent entrance, uh, and then <laughs> just like oh we have an enemy in our midst, and then all of a fucking sudden it's Rosario Dawson wearing a Nightmare Family jacket. Every side that just put it way over the top for me. Like oh this is just the super bizarre wrestling thing where all of a sudden <laughs> Hollywood actor Rosario Dawson is here, uh, and we're supposed to believe that. Not only is she like a friend, not only, she's not only a work friend of of Cody Rhodes, she's like in the Cody Rhodes family now. And to the degree that Malachi Black needs to kick her head off like he's kicked everyone else's heads off. Uh, <laughs> so that was great to me. After that, it was all gold. Cody, you know, just <laughs> uh, sparing no you know, effort for himself or expense for himself or sparing sparing no amount of spotlight for himself making the long entrance all the way down the ramp on the outside for no reason or down the steps on the outside for no reason and then brawling all the way back up those steps also very funny so yes uh you know they've they've pretty much turned this feud around for me after i was initially also wary of malachi black but he's he's been presented super well uh and this was just such a curveball that i couldn't help but be delighted by it i came out completely on the other side of this segment uh, and it, this i guess i still make it this was going to be my delete and i'll stick with it as my delete because 
they've got this weird thing where Malachi Black is super over with the crowd. The crowd loves Malachi Black. They went insane for his entrance. And uh, when he first started talking, they were going crazy. And maybe, I don't know, I disagree with you on this, Mike. I I didn't feel like the crowd reacted all that strongly to Cody. Really? Or the crowd to was going this, nuts. Uh, that's not. I did not hear that. I, I think the crowd was confused. They they got into it once they started brawling, and the, you know there was AEW chants and stuff that I think. Yeah, the cool showed part. they were pretty well with it. But yes, I don't think he got like a. He didn't get an Adam Cole pop on this show. No, no, nobody did. Adam Cole had the most insane pop that we heard all night. Uh, yeah. So I just think, and this is an ongoing issue that i think about and i don't think anyone else thinks about or cares about but i do and this is a podcast that i'm on so unfortunately you have to listen to me talk about it every week uh but they're in this weird situation where malachi black i think might be more over than cody rhodes is right now in this promotion and so that creates an issue and i'm with nate and i think mike you uh, said this too if if cody wins if he beats malachi black on dynamite that's a huge mistake like cody is made obviously in this promotion forever malachi black i would not and i don't i'm not sure you can turn the fans off in this promotion i think you have to do a lot of damage to turn the fans off on someone but i wouldn't even risk it i would just ride this malachi black wave to superstardom yeah i think that's the move i hope they do it and you know I guess with Cody, do you like, oh, you know, he couldn't he couldn't come back and win the war, but uh, you know, he he re-sparked his love for pro wrestling or whatever. Excalibur had some line about Malachi Black has got Cody's heart back in the game. So maybe he can do that in a losing effort and still, you know, recover his boot from Malachi Black and walk off with his pride intact. Maybe that's what you can do. Uh but yeah, I, I, it would be, I think putting a, a little bit of an artificial limit on Malachi Black right now to have him lose to Cody just because Cody's Cody. On a huge show, nonetheless. Or no less, I think is really the phrase I want here. Not sure. nonetheless, really doesn't make sense. Uh, okay, I think that makes it my turn. Um, let's see. People would expect me to talk about Darby. I'm going to go with this other thing. I'll talk about Darby later because people wouldn't expect me to like this. But I'm really turning around. Go ahead, Nate. I see that you, you want to interject here. <laughs> I was just going to say, very motivated by what, uh, what other people's expectations of you are. I like, to, I like to surprise our fans, you know? I like to come at them in a way they're not expecting. But it kind of goes in line with what I was saying about Jericho and MJF and the way they've reset them smartly. I really like the way that Brian Danielson has come into the promotion. He's aligned himself with Christian and Jurassic Express. Then you have Adam Cole come into the company, align himself with the elite. And we have all these people feuding in different ways, but it doesn't feel forced at all. The Adam Cole thing with Christian and Jurassic Express, that feels natural. Like that all makes sense to me. It feels like a good starting point for Adam Cole. And the thing with Brian Danielson and Omega also doesn't feel forced. It feels natural and a good starting point for Danielson in the promotion. So I just really, I'm like really enjoying the energy that the promotion has right now of not everything is resetting, but there is enough new stuff going on to mix in with some of the stuff that is ongoing, that it just has a great vibe for me in the promotion. I'm not, 
it's not exhausting to watch the show because I'm watching a lot of the same things that have been going on for a long time. They brought in new people and they used them to not just have that initial reinvigoration, but it's continuing to last for, you know, what are we? Uh, I'm not sure how far we are out from all out. Not that far, like, I guess. Yeah. Like second week days. or something. <laughs> 10 days. Yeah. But you can, you know, it, it's possible to dilute that very quickly and uh, they haven't, and they've set up long-term things. So I think all oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that, you know, guys can have different feuds or relationships or programs that are kind of coexisting or, you know, just a little more dynamic. Uh, you know, WWE would always do their programs where it's like, this guy, fucking Constable Corbin, is uh, working, <laughs> is working the Archer of Infamy, Damien, <laughs> shit, what's his last name? Damien Pri- Priest. Priest. Damien Priest, Punishment Martinez. Yes, uh, and, and I, was so those two guys, name. I was gonna say Priestley, you know, B Priestley's brother, Damien. <laughs> sure. Son of Jason Priestley. Um right. And and the, those two guys would just wrestle each other for three weeks straight and then wrestle each other the pay-per-view or whatever. And it's like, okay, they're they're vacuum sealed in their little feud, and they only interact with each other in each other's segments. So it's like if one guy's coming out doing a promo, then you know the other guy's coming out, and that's just how it's going to be until the pay-per-view. Uh, and that, just the artificial feeling of that drove me insane and just made all their shows very predictable. So that you can have now, you know, Eddie has his thing with Miro, where Eddie and Miro are like in a feud over the TNT title. Miro's also got this thing in the background with Fuego Del Sol. But Eddie also has this thing with 2.0, and uh daniel garcia who are you know going after the biggest dogs in the yard or whatever metaphor excalibur used um to try and make themselves known and attacking moxley and and kingston and they're also mad daniel garcia is also mad about the suzuki incident so he's going after moxley for that uh and they also have previous beef with sting and darby and just that all these things can kind of coexist and then you can do one match on one thing one week and then to keep it fresh you do another match related to the other thing the other week uh, and it, yeah, it just makes for a more lively seeming promotion where everything's not super predictable and, and you can kind of pay things off when it's important. And as if one thing or the, another is not working, then you just kind of let it fade into the background. I do still get kind of WWE brained about it where I'm like, well, I just, I want a nice clean ending to this. I want like a, a real fine point on the end of this feud. So I know it's done or I know you know, this drop thing is, is, is finished. Um, but you know, hopefully after continuing to watch that'll, that'll become less of an issue or they'll find a way to, to put those nice clean breaks on it or something. But yeah, I, I'm totally with you that it feels right now. There's always the excitement of, Oh, what, who's going to be involved with who that is exactly like the, the Dan Lambert thing. I never in a million years expect that Jericho and Hager were going to come out. So it's just like a, such a pleasant surprise when that segment happens and it's not, you know, the men of the year and uh, somebody less interesting, I suppose. <laughs> but, but even if you compare it to like the inner circle pinnacle feud where that felt really like forced, it's like, oh, well, these guys have to feud with these guys because that's the people that are left in this uh, in these uh, units. So this feels much more organic. 
Yeah, and it's something they can compare that with how the Dark Order is doing this needless uh, uh, turmoil storyline, whereas other people feel like they have agency. I think that's like the key term here is that we're seeing people like be f- multidimensional and have agency. So it's not just like as you mentioned, Eddie, like you are able to go after certain things, and y- you don't forget like, oh, I was in this huge feud with you. Now things are okay. I, you don't exist to me anymore. Like things are ongoing. Yeah, I mean the Dark Order thing. I have my own issues with it, but they do. You know, at least we have we have agency for those characters. That they all have their different motivations. Like they have clear battle lines. Like no, we don't. We're mad about this reason. Alex Reynolds is mad about this and that. And Anna J wants everybody to get along. So, you know, we see them making those decisions, um, but. Yeah, it it, it kind of comes across like a lot of their sort of stable break apart storylines that I've talked about a million times. Our listener elite comes from our listener short shine. If you want to be featured in elite or delete, all you got to do is sign up on the Patreon, join the discord. If you're already a patron, join the discord. We have an elite or delete channel that we uh, monitor during the show. Short shine this week says elite hook ascendance. Well, they can be... go ahead, Nate. <laughs> the hook, uh, they they are leaning on this idea of putting CM Punk and Hook in the same camera shot for sure. Uh, and of course, they did a match graphic for the Hobbs versus CM Punk match where where Hook is in. I almost said Puck. Hook is in wrestling gear, which is really just boxing shorts, which I think is a great look. Boxing shorts always look great, and nobody really doing them in wrestling that I can think of. Um, so I, you know, now we know that he owns gear. We didn't know that before. So maybe he's going to fight somebody. Hook, uh, I would say very well manicured. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist manicuring or grooming, as they like to say. Uh, It's back to school time. I think everybody knows that. A lot of people are back in school. And you got to have the essentials. One of the essentials, the Manscaped 4th Generation Performance Package. Uh, you got to be ready for whatever's in your daily schedule. Uh, The perfect package for your package has the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. You got to go for the valedictorian of ball trimming and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using the code THISIS. You'll get 20% off and free shipping so hopefully you're a long-term listener you've heard a lot about manscaped the lawnmower 4.0 the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer the crop preserver ball deodorant the crop reviver toner two free gifts come in the performance package 4.0 the boxer briefs the shed travel bag i was hanging out with uh friends of mine who are married this weekend married to each other i mean and uh, the the wife said that she has never felt softer boxer briefs on her on her husband than the manscaped boxer briefs. So I'm simply suggesting soft boxer briefs mean maybe somebody wants to touch your boxer briefs. So the manscaped ones, they're in the performance package 4.0. I would highly recommend it. And you can also everything that's inside your manscaped boxer briefs, you can have them uh, trimmed up real well. With the performance package 4.0, uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping 
with the code this is at manscaped.com this year graduate with a degree in clean balls from manscaped all right we'll move on to what we didn't like from this week's show and i'll kick it over to nate to tell us your delete pick from this week okay so they do this pretty successful segment where Brian Danielson is going to do his interview. Kenny Omega comes out with Don Callis. You know, tremendous promo from Callis. is getting all the heat in the world. Brian Danielson goes right back at him, you know, makes all the good points. Hey, you know, maybe you're not the best bow machine. Uh, you know, you're hiding behind this guy who talks for you. you uh, you're, you're hanging out with these annoying goofballs. Maybe you lost your confidence. No, I don't think it's that. Maybe you lost a step. I don't think it's that. Maybe you lost your balls. Uh, Manscaped plug goes there, I guess. So, <laughs> Brian Danielson challenges him to this match. Says, how about it? Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. Determine who is really the best. And Kenny milks it. And the crowd's waiting on tensor hooks. And Kenny does the big yes. And the crowd monster pop loses their minds uh and then they just kind of look at each other for a while they drop their microphones they you know they jaw a little bit not like a ton of intensity coming across uh and the segment just kind of sits there and then we go to ad break and then we come back from the ad break and there's just a graphic that's like hey that match is going to be next week (laughs) how do you not how do you not have Kenny Omega say yes and let's do it next week in Queens on Dynamite and fucking under that, underline that 16 times and get a second giant pop from the crowd, half of whom, if not more, are going to be at the next week's show too. That, I, the, uh, I, I was perplexed by this. I, I, I thought I was unmoored in reality i could not believe they let they let that very hot segment have a fart of a ending and then announce the match in a graphic and with like tony shivani saying hey here's what's on the card or it was probably excalibur excalibur at 2.0 speed saying hey here's what's on the card next week at arthur stadium dynamite it just it torments me how you don't have Kenny Omega get a, another giant fucking pop out of that. And, you know, for the viewers at home, maybe the viewers at home see that segment, they go, oh, okay, Brian Danielson's done. I can change the channel now. No, so you fucking tell them it's next week before the ad. I, I, is there any justification for that? I don't get it at all. No, no. And it's something that it's not just like this title card that I mean should have been like, and. Kenny should be like, all right, we'll do the match, but we're doing this next week. I don't want you to like this. You won't have this match so badly. We're doing it next week. It's my terms. Like, just a very easy tagline to do this. But, I mean, they they basically had to go on commentary several times because everyone was confused about the fact that Grand Slam Rampage was two hours long. Like, they randomly said that. Like, it was not built up or something. It was just, it was like an aside on commentary. And it's something that, it's not that they don't tell people what's coming up is that they go about telling these things in either the most vaguest terms or they do it after the fact when you could have had the perfect cap 
And we saw both of that happen here tonight. And it's something that like, why it, it like the fair assumption was going to be like next week in front of the biggest crowd in AEW history, we're doing the the best in the world. We're doing uh, the best bout machine versus the American dragon. We're going to do this and see what's going to go. That's like, it's just simple stuff that like, it's, it, it it's literally not checking your work about these sort of things. And that's what kind of drives me nuts about it. Cause it wasn't just this, it was the four, it was the four hours from uh, Arthur Ashe next week. Like they do not until they had a title they, card during that, that they, they Tony offhandedly, I think announced Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho for next week. It, it, they didn't have a graphic for that or anything. It's just like Tony happened to mention in passing on commentary, uh, which left everybody going, wait, was that, was that announced? That is that happening? So yeah, it, it's I don't know. I, I I do get it sometimes when it's like, oh, you know, th- these people did a promo battle and we're going to announce the match later in the show, so we don't just want to have an awkward authority figure angle or something like that. I can I can understand that, but when you've got both people in the ring agreeing to the match, you know, it, it's right there. It's a layup to say here's when the match is going to happen. Uh, it's a dream match that everyone has wanted to see for years, etc you know, put a big fucking red circle around it. Yeah, especially because, you know, you've been doing uh, big numbers on your TV. You need that to keep going. You want people to keep tuning in. This is not anything you need people to buy the pay-per-view or make them wait around for three weeks. It's literally the next time you're on this channel on this day at this time, you're going to present this match to the fans. So, yeah, seems like a very easy thing and a very weird thing to to fuck up. But it's funny, a promotion that does so many big things so well, there are just these little things that they trip over their dick on. And it's it's hard to understand. Yeah. And I guess that I guess I prefer it that way. That is better. You know, Oh sure, sure. Meltzer would talk about Vince's like obsession with quality control, like Mike was talking about checking your work and making sure those like basic things are never dropped or missed or whatever. Uh, And this just, I guess, isn't a super orthodox, you know, have to do everything by the black letter rule book every single time promotion. It's more freewheeling and lives and dies in the moment. And I guess I would prefer that kind of wrestling promotion where it's not so stuffy with, uh, the things you have to do every single time. Uh, but but it, it, it's kind of like with last week where they cut the song short and then had to fill time at the end because they fucked up the timing. It's like you had, it was all perfect and you just didn't have the, 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 the state of mind to let it play out properly. Like you've got the guys in the ring. They've agreed to the match. Let them say when the match is going to be. It's right there. It, it's the next thing out of their mouth. In any in any imagined conversation between these guys, that would be the next thing you say. I would simply suggest they should do the big things and the small things correctly. That's my my suggestion to Tony Khan. Uh, you, you, I, you're going out on a little bit of a limb there. <laughs> All right, Mike, <laughs> what was your delete pick from this week's episode? Yeah, so... Layla Hirsch versus Jake Cargill wasn't really good at all. And it's something that 
with Jay Cargill over like the last month or so, it became kind of like a topic that at least like I feel like Aaron, we talked about this and we might have talked about this on, on, on some program, but they really were being very deliberate and careful with her. And it was for very good reason as it was on full display in this match. And it's something that they've already are starting to go. Jade is eventually going to come for Britt Baker's women's world championship. They made sure in the road to, to like to include that she's ranked in the top five and she, all like the little things that like Jay Cargill comes off like a star every single time. Well, like the, the act is good. Uh, smart Mark Sterling provides the other element that helps you, the hashtag J brand go to the next level. It just was like this match. Like it just was something that was not good. And it was something that seeing how they really have been careful with Jade since coming in, it really make a couple things clear about where, she is, and I mean, Layla was crazy over in her hometown, and that was good. And we got to see the moonsault out of her. It just was something that this match kind of exposed Jay Cargill, and it's something that I would have. They didn't have to have this match to like expose, but like they did. Like that's the thing about like this is like you did not need to have it like be this kind of match. You didn't need to have it this way, but instead it just. And I might be out on a limb on this. I just thought that when I saw this match, I was like, that's not how I would really prepare a young star right there. And that was like my big takeaway of that. Yeah, I didn't really. I mean, I guess I, I just come in with the expectation that, you know, Layla Hirsch is a good wrestler, but uh, as we discussed the other week, like we saw her in Japan when she was like pretty green in stardom. And that was like two years ago. And it, you know, it's only been the pandemic since then. So she's just been doing the matches that she's had in AEW are the experience. We've seen all the matches that she's had since that time, basically is what I'm saying. So you've got her and then you've got Jade, who's, you know, also basically fresh out of training. Um, so Layla's like the veteran in this context. I guess, I, you know, it didn't, this didn't like violate my expectations in terms of what I thought it would look like. Uh, and there were some little bits that I enjoyed. Um, Layla was getting good reactions. I thought the dive on Mark Sterling was some good babyface stuff. Uh, there was one, I don't know what the hold was. Layla had her in, you know, a chin lock or a full Nelson or something. And I thought Jade did a nice, like takeover where she drops down and threw her over her shoulder with just like a, and I was like, Oh, that was like a traditional wrestling move from Jade Cargo. That was kind of impressive. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was fine. My problem with it is not that Jade isn't very good, which I think is true. Uh, but a problem that I have with it is that you, you know, I'll never get over this thing that they said about how they didn't have any women who were ready to be on TV. I will just, <laughs> that will live inside my brain for the rest of my life. And now they have like a ton of women who are really good. And instead they give us this match where poor Layla Hurst is just put in an awful position. And frankly, Jade Cargill is put in an awful position where Jade really deserves to have someone who can lead her through her first extended match on TV and she doesn't get that. And, you know, there were times where you could see Jade get lost and Layla was like, she did take control, 
but it kind of took her a second to do it because I'm sure that's not something that she's used to. There was a spot where uh, I think they ended up doing it into a German suplex, uh, but before that, Jade was just kind of staring at Layla like, fuck, you know, what What do I do next? And Layla kind of just hesitates. Then she walks over to her and grabs her and then just like makes it all happen. Uh, so that's really more my issue with it is there are people you could have you could have put her in there with who could have led her into a good match because uh, they have a lot of them, a lot of really good people uh, and they didn't do it. I don't have a problem with look, Jade maybe is not going to be good. I don't know. Sure. But she's a star, so I don't really care mm-hmm. if she's good. And so sometimes you just let somebody like that try to, you know, Bill Goldberg. Sometimes you just try to let people like that get over on being over. And, and that's the end of it. And that's fine. But let people help her. Yeah, like like that's the overall thing is like that they've been very careful with her beforehand. I mean, like she was ex her role in the match with Shaq was excellent because they like led her through this here. This was something that was like you let her kind of like do the sort of thing and it just did not come off this way. And it's something that I've kind of started to notice a little bit more on dark and elevation as well with her that like the kid gloves are off and it does not seem and, and I don't say that to be like demeaning. It, it just seems like that they aren't like guiding her as much as you would think considering how she was treated early on. Yeah. And I think you, you said what I was thinking much better than I uh, attempted to articulate, but I think in that I have decoded one of your one of your issues with one of the members of the roster. I totally agree because there was that line <clears throat> about, oh, you know, we need to get all these women TV ready before we can really start investing in the women's division. We just don't have – there's not any women in the world that we can, you know, uh, bring in and, until we, you know, uh, spend all this time building our roster from scratch, and then we can have women's division that's deserving of, you know, more than one – segment per show which still hasn't happened um so i've I've figured out the per the person who put the finest point on that who most explicitly said that was of course serena deeb who was like oh yeah no we, we you know aw we're getting the the division going and now uh you know we've added all these women i'm there now i can work with these young girls and i can get them up to to being tv ready uh so i figured out why you have a grudge against serena deeb because she's the one who who most explicitly said that bullshit point. She did say that explicitly. Uh, and I'm sure that somewhere in the back of my mind, I hold that against her, but I do just think she's not very good at wrestling, <laughs> but like Serena Deeb. Now I know, I don't know who the fuck is the NWA champion. I can't keep up with that. Don't have any. Is Camille? I think it's it. Camille. This it, it, it is the brick house Camille. Sure. Correct. Sounds great. So, Serena Deeb. Why can't she be in this match with Jade? Uh, her knee's gone. She's back on the DL. Oh, so I don't have to watch her wrestle anymore? That's good. Emmy Sakura would have been a good person to be in this match uh, with Jade. Hell, I mean, I don't really want to do this match yet because to me, this is a money match later. But Jamie Hayter is a good person to be in this match with Jade. Hey, remember, remember the the previous longtime women's champion who... Yeah, buddy. <laughs> has not been on TV. Now gets her matches cut from dark. <laughs> and is approaching 50 wins of this promotion. But you can't yeah. make that a little two-week story on television that Hikaru is going for a 50th win and she's up against fucking Jade Cargill or whatever. Right. So there's a lot of people that they could have put into this role uh, who would have been able to do a better job of helping Jade Cargill through the match. I do feel like 
you know, I don't know. No, but you know, because because Britt Baker got over on her personality and charisma because that happened. It's a well booked division. Yeah, a lot of people think that, Nate. <laughs> a lot of people. I'm aware. Think that. It's fucking infuriating, but a lot of people think that for sure. Um, I already deleted, so I'm going to go into the listener dealy. Listener, I am the table. Building on our point, you kind of mentioned this, Nate. No build for Ruby and Britt tonight. So we get this women's match. We did get the other women's angle, kind of, with uh, the Dark Order thing, the Bunny and Anna Jay thing that's going on. But your your women's title match, even fucking Britt Baker can't get a build on this episode <laughs> of Dynamite. While we get fucking uh, Matt Hardy pre-tapes, but we can't get anything for Britt and Ruby. Yeah, which... And Ruby's a huge star. Yeah, it is. The, you know, of all their big debuts, they had to make sure every single one of them was on this show except for Ruby. Um, you know, and, and wouldn't be, would not be a complaint except that the match is just next week now. <laughs> and it just came out of the blue. Right. If the, if the match was, even if the match was on fucking Rampage next week, which if that were the case, then I could at least be like, Oh, they're gonna do a they're gonna do like a big angle. They're gonna do an angle on Dynamite to really set up that match the way that they've been doing like the Fuego and Miro angle here. Uh but no, it's just next week immediately. You usually if Britt Baker is involved in a story, you can bet that it's gonna get a lot of attention. Uh but if you want to bet on anything else, anything sports wise, you gotta go to my bookie. AG and use the promo code ELITE with over $500,000 in contest prize money up for grabs. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. You head over to MyBookie.ag. They got a variety of boosts and free bets. Get in on the fan favorite $100,000 super contest. It only costs 10 bucks to enter. Every week, you pick five games against the spread. Each win gets you a point. Each point gets you closer to the grand prize. So it's a you know competition. How many can you get right? against the spread 10 bucks total five games each week in order to get started head over to mybookie.ag make your first deposit and use the promo code elite and you will instantly receive double your deposit that's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using the promo code elite i know i took advantage of that free money last week with the nfl game that somebody just had to score for you to win hey somebody scored we all won and uh, I recommend that you head over there and use the promo code ELITE and double your deposit. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right, running down the stuff we haven't talked about. We vaguely mentioned this. I'm kind of surprised it didn't come up at all. The show kicked off with Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian. Well, it really kicked off with CM Punk coming out uh, to be on commentary. He do dove into the crowd, ran around to everybody. Jim Ross was jealous. And I thought, oh, this is a pretty nice pop. You know, th there was, I was starting to wonder if those were diminishing, but he got a good reaction here. But then Adam Cole came out and got an insane reaction for his match with Frankie Kazarian, which he won with the last shot, is what I'm told his running knee is called. Uh, and then he cut a promo afterward challenging uh, the Jurassic Express and Christian. Yeah, CM Punk, very good at commentary i mean you know said as much in his pipe bomb promo i'm the best i'm even the best at commentary uh and 
you know, he exposes all of the other wrestlers turned commentators immediately, right? Like he he's out here, and you're like, oh yeah, no, like you know, Paul White's out there doing his best, uh, you know, fucking Mark Henry, not really getting a lot of spots in, but he's out there. Uh, you know, Chris Jericho usually unbearable. CM Punk, like, oh no, this is if he was added to any of these shows, would be the second best announcer on any of them. Uh, and maybe approaching the first at times. Uh, so yeah, the fucking very nice to have him on commentary. Then we got a video hyping up a match for Rampage, which will be a tag title match, Lucha Bros versus the Butcher and the Blade. Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting like how quickly they went straight from Butcher returning to Butcher getting a tag title shot, but I think that's a strong first defense for Lucha Brothers, they played up the fact that last year they were all part of Eddie Kingston's family. They just kind of called it like family, like didn't really have an official name. And I thought that that's pretty effective. And I think that's a strong uh, tag team title match just to have on pretty much no notice on Friday. Then we had Fuego Del Sol and Sammy Guevara backstage with Tony Schiavone. And Fuego's got a new Hyundai. And he's putting on the line to get a rematch with Miro on Rampage. Uh, on the point of like, like Hyundai, the circle Hyundai, and I think Hyundai, Hyundai, Hyundai. I think it's Hyundai. I drive a Hyundai, so I, th- I hope it's Hyundai. Um, <laughs> the, you know, the the inner circle, like they're kind of just like friends of convenience now. They're not. Oh, you know, we have to have all these guys together for every single segment. You know, Santana and Ortiz for a minute there were like just hanging out with Conan more, and now Sammy's basically like, no, I'm going to hang out with my best friend Fuego, uh, which I think is a positive step for all those guys to get them a little more established in each of their own lanes uh, and and not have this all come back to, oh, it has to be Inner Circle and Stable Wars or whatever. Next up, we had MJF out to the ring. He does a bit where he's talking to Brian Pillman Sr., who he suggests is in hell. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. comes out to hit him with a chair. Wardlow stops him. We get a low bridge from uh, Brian Pillman Jr. that gets Wardlow out of the ring and, and Pillman gets to celebrate a little in the ring. Next up, we had uh, Brian Pillman Jr. again, but he's in a sit down with Jim Ross. Ross says Pillman was humiliated last week, so he has to kick MJF's ass. Pillman gets a nice little promo, I thought, where he basically says uh, MJF and he are not the same. MJF hasn't stepped in a ring with someone like him. I thought he showed uh, a good good fire here in this promo. Yeah, I still like his character work. He, he's doing something different than basically every other babyface, uh, and I think pretty effective at it. This was weird tonally coming immediately after his like hot babyface chair save or whatever. It's like, oh, now we're going to to see him doing a reserve sit down interview or whatever. And he talked about, oh, you know, I let my family down because MJF got away with saying those things on in Cincinnati last week. And then it's like, oh, you you just did that again because you came to the ring and were celebrating with your chair and failed to actually get any shots in on MJF once again. Uh, so that was funny. Also wanted to debut the new nickname for, for him, which is the Osaka Obachan. Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> yes, I did like that. Okay, then we had Christian and Jurassic Express backstage with Alex Marvez. Jungle Boy says, uh, you know, he doesn't get the whole Adam Cole thing. He has better friends than Adam Cole. He has better hair than Adam Cole. 
Christian cuts him off, says, I don't know. He has pretty good friends. They use their VP status to drag him out of developmental. And he's already used to losing Wednesday Night Wars. So let's make him lose again on Friday. Christian been reading MRT's timeline. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys think this was probably where where they saw the Suzuki incident for the first time? That's true. Do you guys think that this is continuing to foreshadow a, a Christian jungle boy split at some point the way he cut him off in this promo you know i had kind of forgotten that or put it on the back burner but now that you mention it he does just like hey man i don't mean to interrupt you but uh just fully interrupts him and, and takes the entire promo uh which we saw in the dark order segment which was like clearly supposed to be a heel thing or something from evil uno so yeah i think there's something to that FTR and uh, took on Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. FTR hair got the pin. Uh, he pinned Dante after they hit him with the big rig. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Probably, I think, the best match on the show. But also, it was taking FTR out of their affectations and putting them in their best matches they could possibly have, which are these kind of matches. And you know, there were some moments that were a little, bit, a little bit shaky, but I thought this was a whole lot of fun, and I thought that Dante Martin, each time he gets time on TV, just blows a, blows everyone away. The crowd goes nuts. Like this is something that's really remarkable to see over the last few months, like the ele- elevation of Dante Martin. Very annoyed that Punk and Jim Ross both have been saying on commentary that FDR is the best tag team in the world because they're. Not the were the no. tag champions two title reigns ago. They got beat by the Young Bucks, who got beat by the Lucha Brothers, who are the best tag team in the universe, which is larger than the world. So that's annoying to me. It's honestly surprising that Punk understands that like Darby is really good because he's kind of the same type of dumbass that Jim Ross is when it comes to wrestling in a lot of ways. <laughs> um well I don't he, he also seems to like the Young Bucks. So, I yeah. Don't know. Well, he he appreciate he knows what's over. I mean, he's a lot like Chris yeah. Jericho yes. in that way, right? Like, if something's yeah. over, he's going to be in on it. But Jericho is probably a better comparison. But his like his wrestling sensibilities are, are much closer to like FTR, I think, than the Young Bucks. Yeah. Then we had a pre-tape for Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. Archer says uh, it was unfair. What happened in Cincinnati? That's going to change because now they're going to be in New York City. And, you know, he plays up on the fact that he's a member of Suzuki Goon. He's tagged with me with Minoru Suzuki before. And Suzuki closes it out with Suzuki Goon Ichiban. So this was definitely taped before the Suzuki incident became a meme that AEW then, you know, in- incorporated that fanon into their canon. Um, which stuck out like a, a sore thumb to me. It's like, oh, they made a lot of hay. CM Punk was talking about it. They're mad about the music, and the promo has no mention of the music whatsoever. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is the determinative evidence, the dispositive evidence, that this was not intentional. No yeah. one intended for that to happen. It was just a shittily timed television show, and this promo proves it. Absolutely. Right, right. yeah. And I mean, like, the fact that 
uh, y'all did see Emi Sakura FaceTimed Minoru Suzuki about it. Minoru Suzuki's like, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> see, that's that's like, bad form by Emi, I think. Is it she, is. She's blowing up the angle. Well, yeah, yeah, but but it's also really funny. And, and I'll take the fact that it's really funny over blowing up the angle any time of the day. Uh, if if it was my promotion and somebody disrespected kayfabe like that on the timeline, you know they'd have they'd have words with me. The the Bill Watts of twenty twenty one Nate's promotion on that. Do I want to complain about the Big E thing or do I not? <laughs> That's up to you, brother. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Okay. Hearing no complaint, I will <laughs> carry on. Uh, Malachi Black, we talked about that and his brawl with Cody. We got a bunny pre-tape. She wouldn't have attacked Anna Jay if Anna Jay would have minded her own business, and that led into this Dark Order backstage thing. We find out Anna Jay is going to face Bunny on Rampage on Friday. Alex Reynolds is mad that Uno appears to be taking over Anna's interview time. We get more dissension in the Dark Order. Uh, I just want to say that this segment passed the Britdell test because it's a women's segment that did not reference Britt Baker, but it does not pass the Bechdel test because <laughs> because it ended it up It was being, mostly men talking. Yes, women only talking about men. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. This is yeah, now we've got a two-pronged test. This is powerful stuff. Yes, it's no stopwatch, but it is it is powerful. Uh, then we have the Dan Lambert American <laughs> Top Team slash Men of the Year segment with Jericho that we talked about. That's also going to lead to a match on Rampage with Jericho and Hager versus the Men of the Year. And how has this not come up yet? We got a Gun Club pre-tape where they said no one has been more disrespected than the Gun Club. And they pointed out that in every iteration of their teams, they are undefeated. And that's why. They had to strike at Paul White because of the respect that they're not getting in this promotion. Yeah, no, you were, they did the good thing that was an option about turning these guys heels, which is make it about their winning streak. Um, but yeah, uh, that it didn't come up. I, it was not mentioned at all since it happened. <laughs> as far as I know, <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe I was at, I was at all out. So maybe they could have mentioned it during all out uh, on the commentary or something, but was not on the television at all last week. So I had pretty much forgotten the gun club existed. Uh, so, hey, if you have to do the turn, this was a, a good way to further the turn and, and give them a little bit of, uh, you know, solid ground where maybe these guys can start to make something of themselves. And I have to say, uh, Billy and his annoying sons, good heel act. I'm still disappointed about Austin Gunn, but solid heel act. They did not bring up the fact that Austin Gunn was beat by Anthony Agogo. So it's only in team combinations they are undefeated. Singles matches is another story. Yeah, this is this is a team thing. This is a family thing. Then they had uh, Jade versus Layla Hirsch. Jade won with Jaded. And then Andrade. Did I sing that? Did I sing that in my living room? I did. <laughs> I just sang it in my podcast room on this podcast. Andrade got a pre-tape. We learned did we learn that the tablet guy's name is Jose? Was this the first oh, wow. revelation of that? Did not uh, listen to uh to EE World Tour with me and Outgan this week. I did not. Yeah. I, I apologize. Did you talk about him being called Jose? We did. It came up on a rampage that he was revealed to be named Jose. Uh and discussed him having a taser. Uh, uh, uh yes. but yeah, this was 
this was they did some good i guess not retconning but some good explaining of why andrade turned on chavo after chavo helped him cheat to win when it doesn't seem like that should be a moral issue for andrade or whatever um so uh, a pretty good pre-tape I feel like the subtitles are unnecessary. This uh, Andrade was very easy to understand in this promo. It's, you know, it's a fine line because at some point it, it's a little condescending, right? When you have the subtitles there and they're not necessary. Uh, but on this one, I had no trouble understanding them whatsoever. I agree. And I, but I thought it was really good. And in the, you know, being there in the building, um, and I guess that's why I also didn't know his name was Jose. I didn't hear, I don't know if that was discussed on commentary or something. I didn't get it, but, uh, being in the building, I was confused about whether it was a face turn, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. And so this was a nice explanation of, no, I just, that I'm the one in charge. And so I don't want anyone else giving orders other than me. So that made sense. Andrade, this is the, actually, this is the best he's looked the best, um, uh motivate not motivation the fuck what's the word i want to use not energy confidence i mean that's all true but i don't know this is the best andrade we've had in the promotion period this is the most excited i've been about andrade since he showed up in the promotion it's good low bar but yes very low bar uh but man that match on on rampage was excellent and you know showed us that he's got something uh to give and then this it's like okay it's coming together for andrade he's overcoming the political hit and i'm glad to see it in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking "Ah, maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous round bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, 
We've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, Taz and Hook confronted Punk at commentary. Uh, Punk tries to get in Hook's face. Hobbs attacks him from behind. Hobbs ends up putting Punk through the table. And we were told that this will lead to Punk and Hobbs on next week's Rampage, which I was pretty surprised by to see a, a, a new CM Punk match this soon. Those shows are loaded up, man. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Which is wild. I mean, they're already sold out for those, you know, so. Uh, are they sold out in Queens? I thought there were still scattered I, seats. I think there's still scattered ones, but. Yeah. Well, I'm not, it, I mean, you know. I don't know if you needed to announce all this to fill up scattered seats. Yeah, it's it's, it's sold more than enough. Right, yeah. No, uh, in the fact that I was expecting we get, like, Punk maybe once a month or so, kind of like how Je- how Jericho, without, like, stuff that's, like, immediately leading up to a storyline, like, Jericho will do segments and stuff, but he does not wrestle as much here. But the fact that he's doing three, he's doing two matches in three weeks upon his debut is pleasantly surprising, I guess I would say. Yeah, I'm not sure how often we want to see Punk have wrestling matches. Um, I'll be curious to see how they how they do that. I'm curious to see how they do that with all these guys, you know, with Danielson, how often we see him actually wrestle for free on TV. So I, I'm curious. This should be fun. This is exciting, right? It's like, oh, Punk versus a guy you, like, didn't even know existed for most of Punk's retirement, certainly the last time Punk uh, was wrestling. So it's like, that's yeah. cool. That's fun to see. No, it, it's very cool that it's powerhouse Hobbs in this spot, mostly, you know, because, um, you know, matches, whatever. I can I can take or leave matches. Uh, but the potential to build powerhouse Hobbs into like a real star when he, like you said, is basically come out of nowhere on the national stage uh, is pretty cool. So it's it's very kind of an exciting match for that reason. Yeah, at this point, maybe the great, breakout star of of the pandemic the pandemic era could be yeah he was fucking an enhancement guy going into the pandemic yeah we got the sean spears pre-tape this appeared on road Two. uh they aired it here he talked about giving darby his first loss in aew he's going to beat him again this is the other thing i thought about talking about in my elite uh this was something that absolutely incensed me when it happened. I think I bitched about it for, I don't know, three to five months on this very program after it happened. Why the fuck did Sean Spears pin Darby Allen? And they smartly, you know, if you're going to do it, which you probably shouldn't have, but if you're going to do it, at least they have brought it back up here so that Darby has the opportunity to erase it by getting his win back. And I was also, you know, fearful that they would do something weird here and they didn't. They just had Darby come out and beat Sean Spears with a coffin drop. 
Uh, and then after the match, they did what they wanted to do as far as angles wise. You got FTR in the ring. They brawled with Sting and Darby. Tully got involved. During the match, Spears had, had wiped Darby's face paint off. That was a big thing in the, the build to this about Darby being a weirdo. It was a, a Chad versus Virgin match. And then they also they did the same thing to Sting. They wiped his face paint off after the match, setting up a match with FTR and Darby and Sting. Was I the yeah. only one? Oh, go ahead, Nate. I was just going to say, I mean, I think I deleted this program last week because I don't care about the Tully thing. I don't care about Sean Spears. Uh, but they did a good job of Spears setting up the whole face paint thing in the road to or whatever. And then using the wiping out the face paint for heat on Darby and then on Sting, I really think uh, escalated things nicely and, and put some heat on the angle. Yeah, no, I thought this was all super effective about the match it was solid like like they had the kind of match that you would want to see out of these two guys really like brawly you know light on plunder but it was had in the wrist like the, the bump that darby took in on the apron like doing like the full backflip landing on his head just getting his legs kicked out of him was insane and i it shows you my mental state that i saw row two i know that the whole thing that sean spears made about the face paint the second I saw him grab a ball of water and a towel, I was like, oh, is he going to waterboard Darby Allen on national television? That was where my brain immediately jumped to with that. But instead, we got this storyline instead. The uh, the 9-11 uh, celebration spot right here live on Dynamite. But no, it did not come to fruition. Then we had a, a Brian Danielson pre-tape talking about Omega. Not sure why we did a pre-tape right into an in-ring interview. Just that seems like a weird choice. When he didn't say anything <laughs> special in the in the pre-tape. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. They did the same thing with Brian Pillman Jr. Just had the guys pre-tape and in-ring segment back-to-back. Uh, yeah, he could have just said and that it is. in the ring. But on both or of those just, cases, they could have just said it in just the ring. Or flip, just flip, flip the pre-tapes and do them in a little bit of a different order. It just seems, I don't know. <laughs> you don't go, I just saw this guy. Now he's backstage? I don't know. Right. Or if like with Danielson, it's like, oh, you wanted to do this pre-tape in the first 30 minutes of the show just so people would see him. Like sure, I would understand yeah. that, but yeah, this is very weird. Uh, but we talked about this, a lot of genitals talk. We had Jericho do, do the P word. Can we even say the P word on this podcast? Couldn't believe they said that on TNT. Uh, uh, you, you have said it on the podcast before. I think you <laughs> yes. said I might get canceled for this, but oh, yeah. um, I mean, before, before they fucked up the match announcement, I was going to delete all the swearing on this show. I was going to go Mike Spears mode and say too many dang S words. There were too many cusses on this show. I agree with that. Dude, this was not making, a family. You're making all of them less effective. You're, yeah. You're, you know, space Mel, learn, learn to work kid. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I Grab mean, a hold. it was not, it was not a family product tonight. It was between this, uh, the attempted waterboarding, just yeah. not a family product, especially like the last half hour. And, you know, Brian Danielson said that uh, he thought Kenny Omega lost his balls, you know. So not only did we have a lot of cussing, but a lot of gendered insults, which you really don't need. And probably the thing that offends me most, I mean, a reference to balls without dropping our Manscaped.com code. Uh, this is for 20% off plus free shipping. Okay. Uh, there was a Miro pre-tape. He says... Everyone he's forgiven has been smart enough to not stick around. So why are you calling me out? Uh, he tells Fuego he's going to bash his brain, then bash his car. 
he he's just got to like pick up Fuego and throw him through the windshield, right? Uh, yeah, like, that'd be he sick. has to. He has to combine two and one if we're gonna be doing the Street Fighter car wreck bonus stage. Matt Hardy pre-tape. He wants to shave Orange Cassidy's hair. And then we got uh, Mox and Eddie versus 2.0. Mox pinned Parker after a combo lariat half and half. After the match, Suzuki's music hits. He comes out, does the Kazeni Nare. The crowd really doesn't get that much into it. It was kind of a bummer. In the end, they had a big brawl. Yeah, a little... uh reality check as far as what what percentage of people in the buildings are on Twitter actively and you know know to do these things and know it's it's a big deal now about the music yeah yes uh, yeah and I'm not gonna rant about that who cares that was dynamite this week um if you like our show head on over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe we got three tiers the big difference or I don't know the the most important one to subscribe, obviously, is the one that costs the most money. No, the most important one, the $5 tier, you get all our audio. The kicker to the $8 tier is you get our live shows on Wednesday nights and the audio and the YouTube replays, uh, which I used last week when I was not on the show. On my drive home from Cincinnati, I listened to the YouTube replay before it was posted up on our podcast feed. So that's uh, a, a big help, at least it was to me. Uh, we do... We cover everything that AEW does. We cover Dark and Preview Dynamite on AEW Light. We re- review BTE on AEW Light. We review uh, Rampage on EE World Tour, which we do on the weekends. We do uh, this show about Dynamite, obviously. We do instant reactions to all the pay-per-views. We had an all-out retrospective and preview that's available on the uh, on the Patreon and an instant reaction show that we did. We do other bonus shows. This is CM Punk was a big one that we did uh, last month. I anticipate a follow-up, not to that person, but a different person that maybe has debuted in AEW. Perhaps you'll see something like that in the near future. And of course we have the discord where we have a lot of fun chatting about all the shows among other things. So sign up, join the discord, have fun. I owe some people some stickers, which I, I have not made it out to the post office. But if you've asked me for a sticker and given me your address, it will go out of the mail to you. ASAP. If you uh, if, if you're in the Chicago area and you need some, there are some in the uh, men's restroom at Emporium in Logan Square. <laughs> so you can just peel them off the walls slash uh, stalls there. Don't know how that happened, frankly. Well, one of Ram- them was Oatgam for sure. <laughs> No clue. No clue whatsoever. No. Rampage this week, which they will have finished taping by now. Uh, the, or no, I don't know if that makes sense or not. The tag titles, Butcher and Blade versus Lucha Bros, TNT title, Miro versus Fuego, Anna J versus Bunny. Uh, I just looked on the thing and apparently I need to find a guest for World Tour this weekend. So me and somebody will be talking about that episode of Rampage this weekend uh but i don't know who that's gonna be because i just realized i have to do it uh next week on dynamite i think this is all on this show somebody correct me if i'm wrong cody rhodes versus balakai black mjf versus brian pillman jr lance archer and minoru suzuki versus john moxley and eddie kingston 
Mm-hmm. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson in a non-title non- match. Thank you. I was going to say non-title match. Be very clear about that. The women's title match, Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho, FTR versus Sting and Darby, and a CM Punk interview. Yeah, that, yep. that that's usually about... This is the first time in a while they have had all six matches for a Dynamite announced before the end of the previous Dynamite. Man, but these are big matches. I, I don't know... I will think. I guess they're not going to do any or very few talking segments or vignettes no, or the, whatnot. Yeah, those were those were all on this week. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, there weren't very many matches on this show. It, it'll be Grand Slam time, baby. I Grand mean, we Slam. gotta. I, I but, but I mean, like you look at these matches, and there's only a f- few of them that you could feel like okay, we get short shrift if we had talking segments. Like, I guess the question I want to ask y'all here, because I think this is a good time to do it. Uh, Omega versus Danielson. 20 minute time limit draw or fuck finish? Because I don't think we're going to be getting a clean finish one way or the other at the first time out. I think Danielson should just beat him. This from the guy who hates when uh, champions get pinned and don't lose the title. I do hate that. And I think it'll be weird because Omega just did a story where he lost a match not for the AEW world title and then retain the title later. But my my point is this, from a storyline perspective, Omega's been doing this whole thing where he's not the best bout machine. He is getting by uh, by the skin of his teeth. You know, Don Callis is helping, the Good Brothers are helping, etc. cetera. Uh, he has shown that he's not on the level of what we expect Brian Danielson to be. So there either has to be a fuck finish or some sort of, uh, interference or Brian Danielson should beat him. I don't really think there's any other story to tell. Uh, just occurred to me this this feels like it was the first Dynamite episode without the Good Brothers in about nine months, maybe. So they were missed. Um, I think Kenny Omega should just beat him. I think you have <laughs> you have if not the top guy from the other company, this is old school wrestling logic. If not the top guy from the other company, a top guy from the other company who just main evented their WrestleMania, who was specifically added to that match because the other guys weren't getting it done. Uh, and now he's in your company. And I think you just have your champion beat him. That That's a very strong point. And I, as a fan of old school wrestling, I cannot disagree with it. It would be impossible for me to do so. And you know, if you want to do a little hijinks to cover, you know, you want to have a little involvement by the Good Brothers or whatever on the outside, and maybe maybe Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy run them off, uh, you know, so it's not like a real fuck finish, but just you just protect Danielson a little bit, then I think that's fine. Um, but, you know, I think it also would just be good to have Omega solidified a little bit and really just have him go out and have a kick-ass performance and beat a guy with this move. I think part of it comes down to what you think the full gear title match is. Is it Omega versus Danielson or is it Omega versus Hangman Page or is it some other combination? I think I think you go to Omega and Page next. I think Page is still the guy to beat him. Um, and then maybe you can, you, you know, Danielson said he'll, he'll worry about the belt later. So you have time to get to that. And you have other interesting matches you can have before then. Yeah, I mean, the the story of the match is literally 
is are they on the same level as wrestlers? So if Danielson loses to him, I think it's if it's a straight up loss, I think it's hard to sell a quick turnaround for a, a title match for Danielson as the challenger. I changed my mind. Well, no, I didn't. Omega should beat him, but he should specifically have him submit to the fake arm chainsaw spot. <laughs> Just bury the WWE guy? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not against that. That's fine. I'm on board. Mike, you didn't say your thought. Oh, I thought it should be a 20-minute timeline draw. I think they should because I think that you don't want to give away a finish there on a, on a show that's one way or another complete going to be sold out. Save it for full gear when you get when you have to fill up a building that don't already have tickets spoken for. Yeah, I want they after their initial couple draws, they've definitely stayed away from it. Def, it, it so I wonder if they just don't. Yeah, they, they, if they if they had been if they continue to try to educate the crowd about draws, then I think that would be a a, a better idea. But they've pretty much stayed away with it, so I think. There might be a lot of casual people checking in for the first time that go, a draw? What? So I, I, I think there may be a little gun shy about it. A draw? What is this? 2021 stardom? Was that <laughs> where you're trying to go for it? Fucking that? Yeah, God. That's, what the ca- uh, that's, what the, that's what the casual fan would be saying. <laughs> Drag exactly. Rossi's yes. ass king. Love it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that's going to be interesting. I'm sure Mike and I will talk about that more on AW Light. It's, is that what it's is it actually called AW Light or, or is it just called Light? I think, I'm not sure. No, it's called uh, AW Light. I say yeah. I've said it now 98 times. It's a play on AW Learn the Dark. That was the uh, that was the original. I mean, I fucking yeah. came up with the name of the show, so you think I would know above all? But yeah, Did why you? are you asking me? Yes, or, we, can, yes, I came we up check with the, the records on that. Yes, uh, it's would. Do we need Everybody to go find knows. two years of DMs to discover this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you will find it there. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's how we verify this, Nate. Yeah, I did. All I know is I didn't come up with a name. I have not <laughs> named a single thing with, with Everything Elite because my names are terrible. You came up with the music. Did I come up with Mbop as the theme music? Is that is that No, I me? came up with Mbop <laughs> as the theme music for this. I'm talking about the theme music for Light. Oh, yeah. I just oh, yeah. found, like, a weird jazz song that I thought was funny. Okay, thank you. You did previously deny that you came up with the music, by the way. <laughs> so you're <laughs> caught in a lie one way or the other. <laughs> I thought you... Wow. Wow. Perry Mason over here. Because it's 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 formerly the music from the starters, and I was like, we just took the music from another podcast and used it. And well, then you both you're both like it wasn't me. And I'm like, well, it was one of you. I, I think I think this happened publicly and I found the messages where Mike proposed it. I, I can't remember if I ever like posted them anywhere, but I have them somewhere. Okay. Well, that, I mean that makes the most sense because Mike wouldn't have known the song from that, and so yeah. There you go. Right. A lot of good uh, litigation over, over podcast things, and I'm sure the listeners will just love at the end of yeah, this show. It's very important. These are such great ideas. We have to get credit for them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, head over to Manscaped.com. Use the promo code This Is. My bookie, use the promo code ELITE, uh, or just sign up at patreon.com slash everything 
elite uh for mike for nate i'm aaron we'll see you next week okay.